from Experiment Nation. I'm Romil Santiago, and this is CRNO. CRNO is a series that pulls back the curtain on the conversion rate optimization industry. Listen in as a panel of experienced CRO veterans talk about some of the joy and a lot of the pains of our industry. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of CR Know. This episode's topic is what's slowing your CRO program down and how to make it go faster. On today's panel, we have Shiva. Hey, this is Shiva. Uh, I'm a program manager for optimization at Gartner. And we have Kenya. Hello, I am the associate director of experimentation at Evalytics. That's a promotion. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> Congratulations. And... Today, we have myself, Romil, and I lead experimentation and personalization over at Labla Digital in Canada. All right. This is going to be a very interesting topic, I feel. As people who lead uh, experimentation programs, we always want it to go faster, but you know, they never go as fast as we want. I'd love to hear from Shiva, who came up with this topic, on his view. Yeah. I mean, one caveat, right, is faster doesn't always mean better and slower doesn't always mean worse. Um, because depending on what you're testing, you could be, you know, really taking the time based on like five iterations of a test to really nail a design down and QA it and get it going. But you could also be spending a lot of time QAing and getting down to a particular test that you shouldn't be investing all that time into. So there's definite, there's a definite balance of quality versus quantity here. Um, but one of the things I've generally seen that slows the program down is kind of just a lot of you know, fixation on the absolute perfect, perfect version and the winning version of a test rather than, you know, to be blunt, going a little bit dirty and quick and testing out concepts and being a little bit more nimble and agile to kind of accelerate the learnings rather than kind of, you know, the, the pixel perfect best winningest version with all the colors and all the elements fine tuned to where they need to be. You often hear people saying that they want to be proud of what they ship. So you kind of understand why they want good products to go out. But I was wondering what your thoughts on why is this fixation on perfection when it comes to testing? Oh, I mean, I could easily say us as optimizers, we literally test to strive into perfection, right? So there's there's a definite, you know, we see a template and we say, all right, let's do this to make it better. Let's do this to make it better. Let's do this to make it better. But um you know, I've interacted with a lot of designers who will also have that similar type of mindset, which is, you know, I mean, that's why we experiment. That's why we test. It's it's in our core to create the best possible version. But sometimes you literally have to physically pull yourself out of this and say, is this core to our hypothesis? Is this core to what we want to learn more about? And can we get this out quickly? Um, especially if it's starting into a brand new concept. Like, let's say you've just built a brand new, really cool like e-commerce product page video that you want to start testing into, you know, instead of thinking like, well, I think the best possible version will be uh, in the middle of the page between this section and this section because of X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, you know, you can try that, but it might be quicker and dirtier to just literally insert it as like a secondary image to the page and see if you get attention or maybe insert it at the very top of the page. And, you know, maybe it's not the cleanest UI, but 
you track the attention, you track the clicks, you track and segment the users to see if more people click on it versus not and, and go from there. And, you know, I think one of the common overlooked things is iterations where you take a concept, keep it dirty, and then you iterate from there. It's, it's not building a brand new experiment from there. Your iterations are always going to be quicker, theoretically. Um, yeah, so I think those are definitely big reasons why things are slowed down. It's just kind of like an eye for perfection. And it's like, let's get the best version instead of like, let's get the learningest version, if that makes sense. I like that. I like that you call it the learningest version. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think that actually makes sense. You, you, we're all about trying to generate learnings. So we should be optimizing for learning and not necessarily pixel perfect uh, uh, versions of things. Kenya, I'd love to hear your perspective. Yeah, so this is one of my favorite areas that I deal with with multiple clients. Um, the goal is always to move faster. And Shiv, I agree that you know sometimes they, the focus is on the most perfect version of the test and going in, it's not the test, it's to push out what they've already um, come up with. But there, there's a lot of like cracks within the process that I've realized um, slow down programs. One being the lack of um, validating tests before they go out. Um, and although that, that can slow things up, there's so many ways of um, putting in checks and balances that can automate that process for you. Another is um, the, the time to analyze your tests. You know, there's, there's so many companies and products out there that have like those, like those, uh, I don't want to call them like a automated test read, but that's really what it is where it's, you know, it's this template that gives you this information at a faster rate, um, which comes with you knowing your business. Um, another area is documentation and understanding of optimization, all the layers that comes with the experimentation, personalization, machine learning, AI, and knowing how to use those tools. Um, education and re-education tends to be the areas that slows down programs the most because there's so many test types to use to get to your end goal and, and you know, there's a lack of understanding of how to apply them to um, strategies. And that's oftentimes turn into just, you know, long drawn out conversations or uh, PowerPoints that are proving your point as to why you should use this type of test versus another. Um, all of those, you know, kind of go into slowing up a program. I like that you talked about the education, re-education part, because that's something that kind of comes up in my world a lot and, in, and from a different angle. At Lala Digital, we're, we're growing rather fast. I think we doubled our headcount in a year or two. So what's happening is it's not necessarily re-educating people. It's training all the new folks that keep coming in or uh, the replacements for people. And it's kind of like, okay, it's not necessarily you have to resell them on uh, experimentation itself because they've joined and they know uh, well ahead of time that we we focus on experimentation but it's more like this is how we do it right <laughs> this is the process this is who you talk to they don't know anyone and we're all running at 100 miles an hour and it's yeah. like come on catch up um, <laughs> well i was gonna i mean to add what, to what you're saying romel it's you know new people coming into a company also have their own particular way that our previous company did you know optimization and how they structured it so to, to your point there's no I mean, there's definitely wrong ways to do it, but 
within a lot of orgs, there's definitely, you know, nuances to making an optimization fit what you need based on your staff, based on your the matrix of the org that you have, based on your KPIs, things like that. So it's it's definitely in the education camp to let them know this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it. I'd also say there should be a level of malleability to adjust based on, you know, let's say you have a product manager who was extremely CRO knowledgeable because they did that in a previous life. You know, maybe you give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and use them more and leverage them more versus maybe someone who doesn't quite understand CRO, like understands the principles of it, but doesn't really know how to make an optimization program run and hum. You know, maybe you kind of step in a little bit more and say, all right, well, this is the way that we should be doing it because of these reasons. I like that you touched on the staffing piece because that's the the point that I wanted to bring up where for brand new programs, it's at least this is what I keep running into starting a new program at a a company. It's like, we believe in it. What do you need? And when you you list out the resources that you'd like, it's always, uh, I don't know about that. I don't think you need this many headcounts or this many developers or, or what have you. And you're in this situation of, well, you got to prove yourself that you could bring in results with only having like 10% of what you'd love to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of like, it's hard to get faster when you don't have a lot of folks, but you can't get faster unless you prove that you could do uh, good things with the resources that you have. So that, at least that's the, that's what I run into a lot. I was wondering if you run into um, a lot of resourcing issues, Kenya. Oh, 100%. A thousand percent. It's the saddest story. Um, I feel like, you know, to your point, everyone wants you to, or every company wants you to prove the worth of the experimentation or the the Crow program um, with as little resources as possible. And they want to put most of it in the tool and let it, let it be the self. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you know, there's, there's, there's a level of our job that has to be done by a person, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and like, it's, I find it odd that, you know, leadership will always strive for, you know, having high expectations for the experimentation programs, but they're not very quick to invest a lot of money into it when it's the, it's really the foundation of how you are figuring out how much money you're going to make. So that teeter-totter, it happens across, you know, all of our industries. I know that we all run into it. And um, I don't know, that's it's an unfortunate predicament to be in. I think we've all been there. Yeah, to add to that, I think people can oftentimes see CRO as a risk. I'm saying CRO, not pro. I'm going to give you a little crap for that, Kenya. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm surprised we're all okay with just the term CRO. But But, yeah, I mean, it's just like, so, so think about experimentation to some folks, a lot of folks will think of it as like, Hey, this is a, you know, a potential risk because the test could lose and we'll lose money versus, you know, if we put X amount of dollars into engineering, it's a guaranteed effort because we're putting X amount of dollars to build a thing that will be a concrete thing at the end of it versus an experiment could win or lose theoretically. But I think that's where a lot of the positioning has to be on our side improved to say it's it's risk management or mitigation, sorry, risk mitigation to say, when you do this thing, 
that you're just investing however many dollars to just build, you don't necessarily know if it's going to work or not. Yeah, you'll have an end result of a thing, but you don't know if it, how well it'll do or anything like that until you actually run the experiment. So it's risk mitigation. But I think that's where I keep on going back to like test to learn, not test to win, because if you are paying for insights with your experimentation program, it's effectively the same thing as investing in like a UX research program where you pay X amount of dollars and you get these insights from this research that you've done. So that's where I, I try and balance the positioning of experimentation is not just, hey, we run experiments to make dollars. It's we run experiments to gain insights and also we win dollars. We get dollars. Yeah, I, I love that because... There's so many folks out there that think experimentation is all about the dollars and they focus really heavily on win rate. And it's like, why do we even run experiments if we don't make any money out of it? And it's like, when you run an experiment and you find out that something will lose, but it's like, we just saved a half million dollars or a million dollars or, or what, what have you. Uh, that That is a huge thing. And even if it's inconclusive, you could get a learning and you could build off it. That's a huge thing. Um, yeah, I, I love that you're, you're talking about moving it away from this money focus towards learning focus. Yeah, I mean, that's not to say you don't not attribute revenue to the growth of your program, but a fixation only on revenue doesn't can sometimes hurt the investment into it because people will see it as, well, I have a guaranteed thing versus I have a risky thing, you know, and, I, you know, it's like investing in Bitcoin versus uh I don't know, like a mutual fund. Like, we, it, I'm not saying that's actually what it is, but the perception could be, oh, I'd rather invest in something that's stable growth rather than swing for the fences and possibly lose to to Dogecoin or something like that. That's how you pronounce it. <laughs> I thought it was doggy coin, but boy, I feel stupid. Um, I mean, we're talking about crow versus CRO, so I could be wrong. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> But, you know, it's a little bit of a two-faced thing, and I'm very well aware. Um, usually when I try to pitch a program, it's, look how much money we're going to win. Mm -hmm. So it is definitely on, on us to, to be learning forward. Um, yeah, that's actually a great point. So we've, we've talked a lot about uh, things that slow us down uh, in terms of growing a program. Uh, I'd love to start exploring on how to make it go faster. Um, uh, Kenya, I'd, I'd love to start with you. Like that's the holy grail. <laughs> um, how do we move faster? I I don't like the idea of moving faster, and the just for the sake of moving fast. Preach. Uh, like I ran two thousand tests. Yay me! Like the, the, oh, thank you for doing that. <laughs> Like, or, you know, now everybody wants to say, I want 2000 tests a month, just like that company, like for the, just for the sake of saying you're doing it in high numbers, isn't, isn't the goal. And I think that's, you know, all of us on this call definitely agree, but oh, well, oh, I, actually I will have an asterisk on that. Uh, just to, just to quickly say something, oh, I okay. think at the beginning of a program, you have to talk about volume, but you, you quickly yeah. shift away from it. But it's kind of like if you're you're starting a program and you run zero tests, leadership is going to go. Well, <laughs> what the heck? But once you get to a certain number, you know, like you're you have you feel feel comfortable with the number, then I one one hundred percent shift away. Sorry, I'll let you. Continue. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It's 
it is a KPI of our program of, of the program's, you know, health and success. But like for the velocity that, that I would envision um, that you really want is the ability to learn fast, actually have tangible learnings. Um, when it comes to an, analyzing a test, you know, sometimes we get this analysis paralysis um, or we're tired of looking at the same, um, you know, the, the same tests from this, the same year and we're rerunning them or, you know, everybody's running a test and, and the, the data is polluted because no one's running it on different KPIs. Like that's where, you know, you're, you have velocity in numbers, and, but not in learning because you're spending a lot of your time in trying to isolate your own test and what you could possibly pull from it. So to me, that Holy Grail would be if you can figure out a way to launch a high number of tests and really ensure that you are getting the results, um, clean results from every test or a, a high percentage of them, that is like the holy grail of a successful program um, at a high velocity. Just to summarize that, what kind of KPI would you define for that measurement, just for folks who are starting up their own programs? I would say, uh, I used to call it, I think it was an accuracy rate. Um, oh. And the accuracy rate was, I have two, uh, or I have uh, two experiences. I launched it on this page that also has five other experiences. And I was able to detect a clear difference between my two experiences, yielding an acceptance of my treatment or of my control. That's interesting. I didn't have a, five tests on one page and all of them were flat. <laughs> like <laughs> Right, right. I'm at uh, at Loblaw Digital, where, where I'm at, um, the metric that I, I try to focus us on is time to decision. So it's kind of like this metric that does a few things. It, it measures the efficiency of a program. So from when we start working to when we get a result, we're always trying to shorten that uh, in, in every way possible. Is our workflow working? Are we analyzing efficiently? Like, obviously, that's, that's a macro number. It could be broken down. But then we could start identifying where our roadblocks are. Um, and it kind of includes some, that notion that you have around getting that learning, that accuracy, um, because the decision part, you know, we have to get a learning out of it. Shiva, how, how do you, uh, I don't want to say move faster, but how, how do you get more efficient? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is just every experiment we have, maybe we have like a roadmap to say, these are the things we want to learn more about our audience. Can we, can we influence them in a particular way? Can we show more branding? Should we show less branding? So we have some like strategies for things that we want to push into and see how our audience will generally react. But as we do these things, it's okay. Now that we have this roadmap for what we can do, let's start identifying the designs that we should move towards getting into testing these hypotheses. And as much as we can, I mean, I have a lot of pretty regular meetings with engineering and design teams as a way to mitigate the amount of um, like back and forth that we would have with them in the test building process and the design process. So let's say we have a design where we want to add the video to a particular part of a product page. I'll be like, all right, well, hey, did, you know, dev team, how hard is it to add the video? Pretty easy. Cool. All right. Hey, designers, pretty easy to add the video. What? does it make sense? Where does it make sense to add it? We're kind of thinking here. 
and then the designers will give some inputs and then we'll go back to the design to the dev team and say if we went something like this route what would make sense what's easier to do what's harder to do and we use these as inputs to start guiding the decisions to say well we believe this is a slightly better experience based on our hypothesis and based in the data but it will require a little bit more time versus this experience is maybe a little bit less but we still gain insights and it'll be quicker to test so you start balancing some of these inputs in a framework type way so you can start thinking about what is the quick things you should test into but also there may be some value in spending just a little bit more time to get it right um i tend to err more on the side of like you know lean and mean and fast rather than you know put all the makeup on the on the design um because you could do makeup later you just got to get out the door first so i don't know weird analogy but <laughs> uh, so you you touched on framework many of our listeners use a lot of frameworks what could that framework look like what would you include yeah i mean i'd probably be lying if i said i didn't have a framework to prioritize my frameworks <laughs> <laughs> i figured what kind of factors would you include in a framework yeah for sure i mean i think like the biggest things for me is like there should be a layer of what is the data supporting the things that you're trying to do so if there's a lot of data to say based on five previous test iterations we believe this is the best thing for us that's going to rank a lot higher and that should prioritize it higher um if the dev team comes to you and says this looks great from a design perspective but this is going to take you know two sprints worth of work to do this versus instead if we just do this it'll take you know we can get it fit into the next sprint that can prioritize, so kind of dev lift. And I think design lift is another big one too. We're just thinking about what is an MVP to get out and test and learn, um, but also consider that does that type of design box you into something design-wise or can you quickly iterate from a development perspective too? Like one test we ran a while ago, I won't go super nitty gritty, but effectively we had a, a landing page and uh, it was more like branded focused, but there was one conversion action. And we saw that this new landing page, tremendous engagement, but conversion rates actually went down. So we said, you know what? Super low dev lift, no design lift. Let's just update the links for um, that conversion action to just go to a different form that we already have live. And that was literally a test that I built in five minutes and we relaunched it and it absolutely just crushed it so so i think those three things are very important in just thinking about like what is the overall design lift is it quick to iterate from there as well dev lift mm -hmm. um and just thinking about like what are you learning from this test as well is it going to be extremely helpful um and can you iterate from there as well can you touch on a topic uh, around education and re-education i was wondering if uh Kenya, if you had any tactics or strategies to address the education piece. Are there any tips that you have to make that go a little bit quicker? Yes. Um, put everything in one location, <laughs> whether that be, you know, JIRA, Confluence, or not really JIRA, but Confluence or some type of wiki. Um, and whenever you're building out the educational piece of your program, everything needs to be segmented by who the audience is. So is this content meant for an engineer? Call it out. Is it meant for analysts? Is it meant for uh, data scientists? Is it meant for marketing? Is it meant for movies? Add those tags and add that information and 
and create a space where people can navigate easily and learn like is fun. And the transparency of what was done before is easy to navigate through so that they can find inspiration. Um, this living, breathing space um, is what really drives um, people's curiosity with, with testing. So um, the documents themselves, like as long as it's got like some type of format, you know, <laughs> you can <laughs> whatever works, slap a logo on it, whatever you want to do. But, um, you know, making sure you have the right audience in mind will also help with like how you're how you're writing that out. Because if I'm trying to explain factorial testing to you and you've yeah. never tested before in your life, you're not going to be motivated to come back or to test or to do anything with factorial testing. And you're going to be like, well, AB sounds simpler to me. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's definitely what I would recommend. Yeah, Kenya, that's really funny that you say that because as CROers, we obviously literally look at segments to optimize the digital journey and we don't have a, a single landing page talking to everyone, right? So you are, that's the most like, oh. that's the most meta thing I've ever heard. I was going to say that. <laughs> I love it. It's fantastic. I had a moment of, oh man, that is. The only thing I would add in terms of the education piece it's uh, something I, I'm doing now, and I thought it was. I want to hear your thoughts. It's it's around trying to um, educate developers actually on on tooling. Oh, great call out! Realizing, <laughs> yes. realizing that you have to train and train and train. I'm like, well, yes. this is this is taking up all my time. So what we're doing now, or at least starting to do, is create videos, <laughs> creating a video walkthrough of the flow of the data, the architecture. Uh, how to de how to debug certain uh, things and having a library of these videos for them to watch because it's a little bit easier than reading a whole bunch of heavy stuff and then having these regular touch points with do you have questions for all the new folks uh, and that's when you you field a lot of these the questions that they have and perhaps create new videos from it um, so I don't know if it's going to work out I, I I like the idea because it's my own obviously oh I um, think it'll work we use <laughs> demos for showing you how to use a sample calculator, showing you how to open nice. the data and, and target how much, how many users, what type of code snippets do you need, depending on your platform, what type of coding works, like how do you check it? And you're so right that sometimes like people don't want to read. If there's too many words, their eyes go cross and they stop. They like yeah. diagrams, they like videos, and then they like supplemental content to go with it. So that's, I promise you it'll work. You're yeah. I, I look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually want to touch on Shiva. You, your, um, as you were describing, like how you prioritize or how you identify the impact of a, of a test. Um, we used to call that the prioritization score, and I promise you, it had the same components. And it's, it really like helps people to see everything from a different perspective. They're like, I want to push my test. Well, why? Cause it's going to have this impact. And then you put in the, how much design it's going to take and how much engineering work. And, and once you see that number come out, you know, <laughs> people think differently, you know, and leaders will go in and be like, well, it looks like you just got pushed to the bottom. Um, but it also shows how something as quick and um, scrappy as like, you know, you, you realize there was a quick change to make and you made that change and had a high impact, you know, that, that still would have been represented in that type of score. So I would also highly recommend if, if a company does not have a 
prioritization calculation to use for their testing program, that will help you tremendously. Uh, I was just going to say to build on that, Kenya, I mean, having that framework to show a design and show a test to say it's going to take a long time, it's going to require these resources, it'll be difficult. Just seeing that score in context with everything else can also be very solid evidence. If you present that to a leader and the leader comes in and says, hey, I want to do this. Okay, we've done all the work. It's deprioritized because of these reasons. That's fantastic evidence for you, for that leader to be like, all right, well, crap, let's get this, let's just, let's get this crap prioritized. And then they will go to the engineers and say, we give you more resources. And hey, that'll speed up your program. If the leaders look at that and say, I really want to do this test, I will give you more resources for you to accomplish what you need to accomplish. And bada bing, bada boom, you're getting more leadership investment from there too. Exactly. The only thing I'd call out there, and I 100% agree um, that every company should have prioritization frameworks. I don't care what it is, whatever letters you want to use, as long as it works for you. The only thing I'd highlight is when picking one or developing your first one, that may become the most political thing. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So be prepared for, it doesn't matter who's using it, you're going to go these back and forths with, well, who's going to pick that score? And what's a zero? What's a two or whatever numbers? <laughs> and, and I, no matter how many times I've done this, it becomes like at least a week of back and forth and arguments. And eventually people come along, you know. Uh, but I, I just wanted to um, manage the expectations of anyone who doesn't have one. Uh, that the, the first goal might take a few tweaks and a few conversations. That's why I have the Shiva score column that's weighted at 99%. <laughs> I forget about the Shiva score. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to get things prioritized. <laughs> it's a 10. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this freaking Shiva score it's, is always killing It's us. the framework. It's I, I didn't do it. It was a framework. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess that wraps it up for another episode of CR No. Uh, if If anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn and on our website. Until next time, thanks for listening. See ya. Thanks for having us.